In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. My beloved, today is the third Sunday of the month of Tuba, and during this month in which we celebrate the um, the, the, um, the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll find all of the readings have to do with uh, baptism and putting on the new man and this newness of life. Today we see in the gospel that was read to us from John chapter 3, <clears throat> when the disciples of John had a dispute among themselves, and they came and said to John, the one who was with you, meaning the one who was your disciple, is now baptizing. So he's taking, you know, your role. Um, and they said this because in their custom, usually the older was the one uh, who would be the leader, and then his disciples would follow him. So actually they thought that the Lord Jesus was one of the disciples of John. So this is kind of like breaking rank in their yani, uh, idea. But St. John put things in the right perspective. He said that, you know, I told you clearly that I'm not the Christ, and he's the one that you ought to be following. In verse 31 he says, He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. But he who comes from heaven is above all. Referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. So we see that St. John the Baptist elevated the Lord Jesus to his proper place as being the Holy One of God who is to be followed. And then of himself he says, I should decrease. <clears throat> Part of the duty of servants and all Christians is to put things in their proper place. Um, <clears throat> and we hear another um, allusion to this in the Pauline epistle that we read. It's from Hebrews, which sometimes is difficult to understand. But in this passage here, and it comes from Hebrew 10, in verse 29, he's speaking about those who have experienced the grace of God and have returned to, you know, to the life of sin after experiencing this grace. What does St. Paul say about this? He says, How much worse punishment... Do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified as a common thing and insulted the Spirit of grace? So he's saying, how is it then are we trampling under the Son of God? It's when we take what is holy and what is meant to be holy and we make it common. We make it common. This is why he says here, um, uh, by which he was sanctified a common thing. We make what's sanctified just a common thing, something that's very ordinary. So I'd like to speak a little bit about today uh, and perhaps the, the next time as well about distinguishing between what is common and what is holy. Because this is crucial and very important uh, for us to understand. And we're in a society now that wants uh, to blur the difference not only between what is common and what is holy, but what is holy and what is sinful. You want to just blend the two together. And what happens when this, there's this blending that comes together, things become very unclear. And when things are very unclear, then the influence of Satan and sin will prevail. I'll give you just a small example. If you remember, you know, from the couple of years past, when there's instability in a city and there's rioting and all of this stuff, 
does it become more secure or less secure? It becomes less secure. The businesses are looted, people commit crimes, and they're not held accountable, and so on. So when there's this chaos, and there's a blurring of what is holy and good with what is evil and immoral, then it's very easy for sin to prevail. It's a great uh, medium for the enemy. <clears throat> we'll discuss four points over this week and next week. We'll discuss what, why is it significant that we distinguish between what is common and what is holy. We'll discuss about what are the dangers of disregarding the differences between the two. And these the two points we'll speak about today. And God willing, next time we'll speak about in what areas of our life are we called to make this distinction between what is holy and what is common? And lastly, how can we better make this distinction in my life? <clears throat> Number one is the significance. In Scripture, it makes it very clear, God makes it very clear that He values this distinction and He wants us to learn the distinction of what is common and what is holy. But before we begin to read some of the passages of Scripture together, there are four definitions we have to understand. Um, they're very easy. One is holy, unholy, clean, and unclean. What do those words mean? Holy, of course, yani in Arabic means muqaddas. Something that's sacred, right? Something that is sacred. Um, <clears throat> for example, like an icon is not simply a, a picture, right? It's not a photograph, but it's an icon. It's sacred. It has sacred meaning behind it. Um, the, the, the table, the altar table, right? It's not just an ordinary table we have dinner on, but it's sacred. It's something special, right? This is holy. Unholy, in, in English, it kind of, you, we get the idea that it's something that's bad, but this is not the case. When it speaks about unholy here, in Arabic, again, it's maybe a little clear, and even in the, in the Greek and Hebrew, halal, right? Halal means something that's unholy, but it's not sinful. It's not bad. So this is more of something that's common. That's common. So like a table is common, it's not bad, but it's common, but it's not the altar as well, it's not sanctified. So we need to understand this distinction, because common doesn't mean something that's sinful, but something that's okay, but it's not sinful, but it's not holy as well. Clean, again, um, when we refer to this in scripture, it doesn't mean something that's like physically clean, like I wiped it down. It means more of something that's pure, that's unadulterated, right? When you have uh, you know, one reason why we buy bottled water, for example, is because we want the purest water. We don't want any kind of, you know, adulterations in the water. And we buy filters and so on, so the water we get is pure, right? Unadulterated. And of course, um, unclean means there's a defilement or there's an adulteration to this, um, uh, something that is pure. So we need to understand those four definitions. Um, I'll read, um, and a few passages in scripture from Leviticus and Ezekiel and this will bring to our light why this is important to God that we distinction, distinct, make the distinction between what is common and what is good I mean what is uh, holy the first one comes in Leviticus chapter 10 and this chapter speaks about the sin of the sons of Aaron Nadab and Abihu it speaks about their sin and how they were, after they were consecrated as priests they offered profane fire before God and then God in turn allowed the fire that they were offering that was profane to consume them and they died. Uh, and Aaron was left with only two other uh, sons. Um, and in uh, chapter th uh, verse 3 in chapter 10 it says what? And Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke saying. 
the deacon should be paying attention and there should be nobody on their phone. And Moses and Aaron, so he said, and Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke saying, by those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy and before all the people, I must be glorified. So he spoke to Aaron and his sons and said, those who come before me must number one, regard me, regard me as holy and number two, they must um, glorify me, right? So this is what God is instructing the sons of Aaron and the priest to teach the people. That when they come before God, they must regard Him as holy. And number two, they must glorify Him as God. So this was their duty. But then they offered this profane fire, meaning like they they didn't consider the holy things of God holy, and they made them common. They did what they were not supposed to do. One of them, for example, I don't want to talk about all of them, they did three things, but one of them, for example, they entered into the Holy of Holies. And this area in the temple with the Holy of Holies was only supposed to be entered by the high priests and only once a year. But they went in as if it was a common place. So they defiled what God considered to be holy. So he was telling them to do this, but they didn't do it. And then this fire that they offered ended up consuming them. And in the, verse, in the same chapter, in verse 9 and 9 to 11, it says, It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations, that you may distinguish between holy and unholy, and between unclean and clean, and that you may teach the children of Israel all the statutes which the Lord has spoken to them by the hands of Moses. So he commands the priests here to teach the people between what is holy and what is holy. Not just to teach them by verbally, but by showing them. When the priest didn't consider the things that were of God as holy, how will the people do this? Right? So, God wanted them to make this distinction, not only for the priests, but to make sure the people understood this as well. In Ezekiel chapter 44, again, he was giving uh, instructions to the clergy. And he says, And they shall teach my people the difference between the holy and unholy and cause them to discern between the unclean and the clean. Nowadays, yani, when we try to make any distinction, not only between common and holy, but what is good and wrong or righteous and evil, we're automatically tagged as being bigots and intolerant and you know being uh, proud as if we know the only thing. right? So we're going to be attacked simply by making a distinction. Just like we saw in the news a few weeks ago about this hockey player who decided that he was against wearing this jersey that represented, you know, uh, the Pride Day or whatever. And they reamed him because of this, because he made this distinction. Nor did he condemn anybody, but he said, I'm not going to participate in this because I believe that this, is, this isn't right or because my religious beliefs. And they attacked him for it, simply because he made the distinction between what is good and what is evil. Right? So now we're saying we're going to take this up a notch and to distinguish what between what is holy and what is common, what is okay. <clears throat> and then in Ezekiel 42, uh, verse 20, this was the part where um, uh, where he was telling the the people how there should be a distinction between the holy part of the temple where there is worship and the common area for like the Gentiles and gatherings and fellowship and so on. And he says to them. He measured it on four sides and it had a wall around 500 cubits long and 500 wide. 
to separate the holy areas from the common. To separate the holy areas. Just like here in the church. You know, the foyer would be a common area. It's not a bad area. It's not a sinful area. It's a good area, right? But it's a place perhaps where we prepare to enter into the holies. And the places where we're sitting here is not like uh, coming into the altar. There's a certain reverence. We come into the front door of the church. We just walk in. We make the sign of the cross and we have our seat. But when we come and we enter into the altar, there's a different reverence, right? We bow down and we enter with our right foot, right? And we exit with our left foot. We don't give our back our, our back to the altar. Like the deacons who are standing like I am now, if they stand this way and they're praying, this is wrong. Because reverence is due to God. So we always give our attention towards, you know, the holy things, right? <clears throat> so there was a separation between what was holy and what was common. And this was again ordained by God. In Ezekiel 22 verse 26 it says what? Her priests have violated my law and profaned my holy things. They have not distinguished between the holy and unholy, nor have they made known the difference between the unclean and the clean. And they have hidden their eyes from my Sabbaths, so I uh, am profane among them. So he tells us about what happens when we disregard the difference between what is holy and what is common is that God will be profane among the people. God will be profane. And there will be no holiness no longer you know, that's attributed to God. So what are the dangers? So now it's very clear that God wants us to distinguish what, between what is holy and what is common. And by the way, this is not just in the Old Testament. This is in the New Testament as well. right? And you'll see an example in a moment. But what are the dangers of uh, if we disregard this difference? What's the danger? Number one is that it's a disrespectful to God. It shows Him disrespect. In Isaiah chapter 66, God rebukes the people for this disrespect. Listen to what He says. He says, He who kills a bull as if he slays a man, he who sacrifices a lamb as if he breaks a dog's neck. So the sacrificing a lamb is a sacred act and offering a sacrifice to God and then you're you're doing this as if you're doing something common like breaking a dog's neck whatever or some something to eat. He who offers a grain offering as if he offers swine's blood. He who burns incense as if he blesses an idol. So saying they're not making a distinction. They burn incense in the same way that they burn incense to God is the same way they're doing it to the idols. They're not making this distinction. Just as they have chosen their own ways and their souls delight in their abominations. So who is rebuking them for making the holy things to be just as common things as everyday things. There are sometimes many people will ask us, for example, um, can we burn incense in the house? Right? Of course, putting incense in like a, a censer of some sort, this is only the work of a priest. But how about just burning like uh, incense sticks and so on like this? Is this okay? It's common. Right? But what happens sometimes when we do this is that the sanctity of the incense doesn't become sanctified anymore. So if I make my house smell like the church all the time just because I like the smell, then how does that make the house of God holy? How does it distinguish the house of God from perhaps the common places? Right? <clears throat> So his, uh, God expresses in this passage in Isaiah his displeasure with those who don't distinguish what is holy, but rather they mix it 
with things that are sinful or common. Um, if you remember also in the New Testament, when the Lord entered into uh, the temple and He cleansed the temple, why did He rebuke them? What did He do? He said that you have made a house of prayer, what? A den of thieves, right? So you made the house of God, which is supposed to be a house of prayer, into a place where you're exchanging money and doing business. So now the house of God is no longer holy. Sometimes we do this. Some people come to church not to meet God, but because of some business transaction. Because I want to recruit customers for some kind of business or, or whatever it is that I'm doing. I'm not coming to God because I want to sanctify Him and glorify Him as holy, but I'm coming to do some kind of business. Imagine if um, uh, a friend or somebody came into the church and they said, oh, this is such a beautiful church. And they saw and they went in to the behind your back and you weren't looking, you were in the restroom or something. And they came and they took the vessels uh, that were on the altar and they took the chalice that we take communion in and they poured coke in it or something and they started drinking it. Many of us would be very offended, right? Because this is something that is sacred, something that is holy. We'd say, how could you do something like this? Right? Because this is something that's holy for us. Would this not show disrespect? This shows disrespect. And we get offended by it. How much more God when we disrespect uh, the holy things of His? Imagine also if like you invite somebody to your house and but it's a brand new house and you, you just and you moved in and you know anything that's new we want to keep clean. Whether it's a car or a home, whatever. So everybody who comes in the house, we ask them to leave your shoes where? At the door. Imagine if you invited me to your house and you said, just leaving your shoes at the door. Of course, no one says that because I'm a buna, but we see that, so we do it anyways, right? We try to do it anyways. But imagine if somebody comes and they disregard this rule that you have for your house of not taking off your shoes at the door. Would we be offended by this? I'm asking you to consider my home. Uh, uh, just consider me when you come into my home. I mean, it's not sacred, maybe it's not sacred, but just consider me. And when people don't do it, we're very offended and we're uh, very offended by this. Do you think you invite this person again to your home who disregards, who disregards you? We don't. We said, okay, they easily offended me and disregarded the way that I like to order my house. So why should I invite them back again? Thankfully, God doesn't do this with us when we come. But it's something we need to be aware about. <clears throat> What's the second um, danger? Is something called desacralization. Desacralization, meaning, um, again, it's something that's taking something that's supposed to be sacred and making it something that's common and nothing. When we do not distinguish what is holy, then the holy things will no longer be revered, will be obeyed, nor be honored. So they lose their value in our eyes. Um, and they also lose their sense of importance. And this uh, loss of the sense of importance and value, of course we won't respect them nor revere them, and ultimately then we will deny or we won't uh, benefit from the power and authority uh, that they represent. And if you think about it, this is exactly what Satan wants. He wants us to desacralize everything that is holy. And this is why in society it's working very hard and the media is working very hard 
to desacralize anything that is holy. Anything that is holy. Make it common. Because if everything becomes common, then everything goes. If there's nothing holy, then everything will be sinful. Have you ever thought about the Ten Commandments? The third commandment is what? You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Why is this a sin? Why is this like, okay, why if I say the name of God in vain, is it a sin? How often do people in expressions of excitement or expression of surprise use God's name in vain? So why is this a sin and why is God saying, don't use my name in vain? It's for this very reason. When we use the name of God in our common language, it desacralizes it. So God, the name of God is no longer holy. You know, in the authors of the Old Testament, when they wrote, when they came to the word Yahweh, they wouldn't write it. They'd write like the, the first letter and that's it. Because they, they revere the name of God as being holy. I fear when we say these things, whether it's uh, God or whether it's Jesus or whatever, when you say them as common language, then what meaning do they have anymore? More so than this. As Orthodox, when we refer to the Lord Jesus, we say the Lord Jesus Christ or we say the Lord Jesus. We don't just say, hey, Jesus. It's not the Orthodox way. Because there's a certain honor and reverence. If we call the President Mr. President out of honor and respect, we just call Jesus, Jesus, kid, And he is so, so simple. With no title, no honor, no respect, no reverence. Then he becomes common like anybody else. Again, be careful. Be careful. Also, um, uh, not only is there the danger of desacralizing God, the name of God, but you'll find this common in many different areas of life. The desacralization, for example, of the human body. What happened when Adam and Eve, after they sinned, is that they found out or they knew that they were exposed. So what does God do? He covered their bodies. Because their bodies, to him, were sacred. God created them. So they're holy and they're sacred. So he covered them. So they wouldn't be any filled with shame. So he covered them because they're holy. And if you notice, the holy things are often the things that are covered. When we leave church, what happens to the veil here? We cover it, right? Have you ever noticed when we give communion, we don't just have the patent open like a, any plate that's having dinner? We have like a star on top and it's covered with a veil. And when the veil falls, we put it on very quickly. Why? Because the things that are covered are sacred, are holy. It's not that they're private, but they're holy. There's reverence. When God chose to make the holy of holies, He didn't put it in the front of the door of the temple, of the tabernacle, but He put it in the center. And there was the holy of holies, and there was the holies, and then there was the common, there was a place for the priests, then the common area so it's in the centermost area, the part that's most covered. So the holy things are those things which are covered. So the same thing with the body. It's supposed to be sacred. It's supposed to be covered. But yet, with the media and all of these things, they desacralize the human body. And it's a shame for those who um, go with this and treat their bodies as not being sacred and revealing their bodies in ways that aren't holy. Our bodies are holy. Did you not know that? That the Holy Spirit dwells within you? So if the Spirit of God dwells within you, is my body not holy? It is holy. It is holy. So what's the result of this desacralization? 
if it's successful, what happens is indifference. Indifference. Doesn't matter. My body doesn't matter. God doesn't matter. People around me don't matter. Then everything goes and sin prevails and is flourishing with no uh, hindrance. Anything and everything becomes normal. The second thing, the second result is that the loss of moral and spiritual guidance. Holiness is often associated with morality and spirituality. Right? We say we know what is moral because we know what is holy, what is good and what is not. We know what is what spirituality because again, we're climbing in this spiritual ladder, so to speak. But if there's no such thing as holiness, then where do I get my guidance from? Where do I get my direction from? My own, my own mind. And that's exactly what Satan wanted and what he tempted Eve with. You don't need to go back to God for good and the knowledge of good and evil. You can do that yourself if you eat of this fruit. And she took it. It's extremely important, my beloved, that we understand the differences between what is holy and what is common. And we said that the dangers of this are disrespect to God and the desacralization of what is holy, which can lead to indifference and the loss of moral, our moral compass. So God willing, next time we'll speak about in what areas of my life do I need to apply this distinction between what is common and what is holy, and also we'll see how to better make this distinction in my life. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen.